You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the podcast. I am really glad that you're here. You are going to be really glad that you're here. So I want to talk about recovery ministry a little bit today, and I just want to share good stories. Uh, today, I've got my friend Matt Geringer with me. Hey, Matt, welcome aboard. Hey. So, Matt, you, uh, man, you've been a blessing to me, and as our church families listen to the podcast, you, know, you can just kind of imagine that some of them are putting their makeup on, some of them are finishing their morning walk, some of them are in the gym, some of them are wrapping up their day. But as our church family hears the podcast, you know they're they're taking a moment to connect as a church, just to remember that we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome to me that they'll get to hear a little bit of testimony today from the church to hear what God's doing in your life. So just a quick intro here. Uh, Matt and I have been friends a couple of years. Matt married a lady that grew up at Carterville. Uh, Matt's a Matt's you know in his past he's been a songwriter. He's an entrepreneur. He's owned small businesses. Matt, you're just a cool guy. You just and a lot of fun. Well, I mean, and in fact, right now the Lord's leading you as using you as one of our leaders in our Celebrate Recovery ministry. Um, he's got you leading worship over there. Mm-hmm. You you have been a real blessing in in that and several other ways. Well, anyway. Matt, I just want to allow you to share some of your story with the church family so our whole church can begin to see more and more of what God's doing in the rooms of recovery at Carterville. So let's just sort of kick it off. Hey, man, what, um, two things for you today. You know, number one, you know, how'd you get started at, at CR at Carterville? What brought you in the rooms of recovery? But number two, man, how did you discover Jesus in a cool way? That's something you and I have talked about in the past. That recovery process opened your eyes to just a whole new, uh, whole new way of thinking about Christianity. Well, I came to recovery through CR at Carterville uh, because of alcohol. Um, I was a drunk. Uh, I fully embraced it. Um, I didn't embrace it from a fun standpoint. I embraced it from a uh, a needing to deal with life issue. Yeah. Um, and I came to recovery really to save my marriage. Um, uh, recovery at Carterville actually introduced me to AA. Um, so I came to recovery to save my marriage. My wife basically was going to leave me, you know, and I, and I had a child, I had Shepherd. Um, but as I came into the rooms of recovery, and as I was introduced to that process of what it means to to live in recovery, to, to start that process, uh, I think for the first time in my life, I was 42 when I when I started my recovery process. Um, I was saved. Uh, I was saved my freshman year of high school. Um, but possibly for the first time in my life through recovery, I actually started finding out what it meant to actually have that relationship with Christ. And I say all the time, you know, the church does a really, really good job at kind of indoctrinating the masses to what religion is, to what this Christianity is. Um, recovery actually takes you through the process of introducing you to that, to that relationship um, with Christ. Uh, not just a, a coming on Sunday morning type of a thing, but a true every single day, what it means to, to seek him, what it means to follow him. Um, and sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes it's not, it's not a pretty process by any means. I'll say there's a reason that most people don't walk through that process because it is hard. A lot of people, you know, for, for, for folks who are listening and are unfamiliar with how the recovery process is discipleship, you know, I just kind of put some teasers out there. I mean, you begin by by recognizing that you're powerless to control the sin inside you without help from a higher power. And you surrender your life to God's will. Just total surrender. 
and then you start a process of of confession and forgiveness and making amends. Those are steps a lot of people would rather just turn a blind eye and say, I'll try to do better tomorrow, instead of allowing Jesus to heal the brokenness on the inside. A lot of people just sort of gloss over it and try to keep pushing forward, right? Right, and, and one thing the recovery process teaches you is that First and foremost, before you make amends to anybody, before you actually start going through those faults and failures and hurts, habits, and hang-ups that you carry and those character defects, uh, the recovery process teaches you what it means to do that with your relationship with Christ first. Awesome. Um, so a lot of times, you know, we think, well, I'm just hiding that from the pastor. I'm just hiding that from my friends. I'm just hiding that from the the cliques and the community. Um, but no, you're hiding it from, from your Savior. You know, it's... In a very weird sense, you know, it was okay that Jesus died on the cross to save my soul. I just don't necessarily want him to know every little detail of my life. Uh, that That's too much. He can't handle it. Um, and so the recovery process, again, for me, was that reintroduction to what it actually means to be a Christ follower. To die every day to yourself. To come before God every morning in your, in your quiet time uh, and say, God, please help me. You know, one of the greatest prayers for, that AA teaches is when you have no idea what to pray, you just say, God, make me fit to serve you. If that's the only thing you can pray in the mornings. Um, and that's a really good place to start, uh, is whatever it takes, whatever fire you have me walk through, uh, whatever den you have me lie in, um, make me fit to serve you. That's awesome. At the end of this. So you were saved as a young high schooler, freshman mm-hmm. year of high school. And I we've talked before. I know you're very on fire as a young Christian, right? Yeah, I was going to save the world. Right? That's right. That's right. It's interesting that for us to say on fire, right, you can be a Christian on fire and still not be a Christian who's allowing God to do the deeper work of our souls, like really dealing with what's driving us. But the recovery process sort of helps you pop the hood and allow God to get in there and begin to heal and reconstruct identity and do the deep, deep work that he is awesome at doing. But, you know, it's like uh, one of the statements you guys have in the recovery, rooms of recovery that I love is, hey, it works if you work it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've got you've got to allow God to get in there. But that's the problem is that I think for a lot of us as believers, we don't want to do the hard work of allowing Jesus Christ to have a really have a have a, a search of our souls. And mm-hmm. we don't want to live. Hey, what's the transformation like for you? So, you know, exactly what it's like. You know, I'll throw these scenarios out there. You know exactly what it's like to be a young high schooler on fire for Jesus, ready to save the world, right? Going to take mm-hmm. on hell with a water pistol. That's right. You know what it's like to be sort of the typical, what I call cultural Christian, who's you know in the pew, has a fear of God, um, but really is not giving God access of your of, of the, your inner workings. And you also know what the last couple of years have been like for you. Explain the transformation for us. Like, what was what's it like for you right now? working through the steps of recovery, and now that Jesus Christ has gotten hold of some very deep things in your soul? That's a crazy question. Um, I mean, the cliche answer would be that there's a realness to there, that there isn't um, to the other. Um, Man... I try to liken my relationship with Christ to, to, to my earthly father because he, he's, he's my heavenly father. Um, and so for me, the relationship with Christ, how that changes is um, as you grow older, uh, a lot of times your relationship with your father, you know, when you're a kid, you're constantly coming to him, daddy, daddy, daddy how do I do this? How do I do that? Um, and then as you get older, you kind of 
you know, they're, they're, those are different conversations. You, you don't necessarily necessarily need him as much. Uh, you're just kind of filling him in on your on your life story, you know, as you, mm-hmm. as you live out your life. And to me, the recovery process, what that did to me is it took me back, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to have a childlike faith. It turned me into that 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 child of God that needed him, that needed that needed that encouragement each day from him. It needed to tell him when I'm scared. It needed for me to be vulnerable enough to tell him when, man, I, I have no idea how to handle this right now today. You know, my wife's ticked off at me still because I said something stupid. Um, how do I get myself out of this? You know, and and that's where I talked earlier about recovery helps you figure out what that relationship means. That absolving all power that that you have zero power really in this earth that that your only job is to pretty much show up love christ ask him what you can do that day to best serve him and then he takes care of the rest the problem the problem happens when we try to take over the reins so for me that relationship with christ turned me back into that that child who was in awe of his dad that dad was a superhero i mean that dad could could wield an axe that dad could fix a car um, it turned me into that child again where I'm actually in awe that, that this dude is in my life, that Christ is actually in my life on an everyday basis. Uh, I'm not filling him in every once in a while on my accomplishments or what I'm doing. There's that desperate need. That's awesome. Matt, you and I have talked before about how one of, one of the things that's strong in your heart in recovery ministry is you believe that the rooms of recovery should be full, that there are more people in the pews uh, who could or should be in there and just haven't woken up to that yet. You sure. said your, you know, your words are that, you know, your heart is, is that recovery is for more of the folks who think they're normal. And that's, we put that in air quotes right now because none of us are normal. Let's be honest. That's right. right? That's right. What's interesting is the more I learn about recovery ministry, the more I learn about addiction, uh, I'm learning that most of our addictive habits, whether it's perfectionism, workaholism, whether it's, uh, whether it's our anger, whether it's, binging out on TV or video games, whether it's, uh, you know, meth or opioids or alcohol, chocolate. we're trying, or chocolate, there you go. We're trying to numb uh, something, shame or guilt, inadequacy, fear, failure. We're trying to hide and make the world feel different to us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's really the place of God. I mean, that's really something that if we could give, if we could learn to allow God to have those moments instead of turning to something that would numb it, um, we can move farther down the road in Jesus and see real soul change. That's my belief, right? That's right. Well, that being the case, um, I know you said you went into the rooms of recovery originally to save your marriage because you had allowed alcohol to get you to a place where, you, you're, in your words, hey, man, I was a drunk, right? Mm-hmm. But you and I have talked about how there are more folks in church who see themselves through the lens of, man, I'm not an alcoholic. I, you know, I'm not a drug addict. I just, I, I hear good things about recovery process, but I don't see where I would fit in. Matt, Matt, who needs to be in that room and why? Like, can you help the church in this moment to recognize that there are probably more of us out there who would benefit from the process, from walking through these steps, from being loved in this community? Tell me a little bit about, about that, Matt. Well, I think you just, you said the word, um, which was the answer, which is community. It's a discipleship program. It's, um, you know, the only difference between me and somebody who's not in recovery or maybe isn't an addict is that when life got really hard for me and I was not equipped based upon how I was raised or how I lived my life, I was not equipped to handle that, uh, the chaos of life and I tried to escape, I chose alcohol. Somebody sitting in the pews could very well have chosen religion. They very well could have chosen 
four days a week in church and I'm good. That was their escape. That was how they balanced their soul and their inadequacies. Um, so all of us need that place where we can go, be vulnerable, have a sense of community, reaching out. You know, we say all the time that you don't reach out for the answer. Reaching out is the answer. And so if we're not reaching out, if we're just sitting there in our own bubble, just what we call it white knuckling it, um, then you're not doing you're not doing yourself any good. You're not doing your kids any good. You're not doing your friends any good. Uh, recovery is for everybody that wants to come in and wants to grow closer to Christ. Because the only way to do that is to surround yourself with people of like faith, people that have been there. Um, you know, my wife, for example, and I think she's going to be on the podcast here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, she came into recovery. She was definitely not an addict, um, but recovery changed her life. It changed her outlook on life. Um, it, for Heather, more importantly, it just gave her grace for people. was the main thing. Um, so when we say recovery is for everybody, we say that because recovery is simply a discipleship program where you go and you have community with people, where you learn what it means to reach out instead of reach in. Um, and that's, that's as, 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 a, as believers in Christ, that's what we're called to do. Yeah. That is the church. Well, man, I'm thrilled that the Lord has brought you from a place of cultural Christianity or just kind of going through the motions to a place of deep transparency and honesty where your soul's being changed, where you are following Jesus every day in a radical and obedient way. That's cool to me. I'm so thankful that the discipleship process we call recovery has been uh, part of reconstructing that. Thanks for sharing your testimony, man. I appreciate your leadership in our rooms of recovery. Thanks for your friendship, man. You've, you've been a real blessing to me. And so with your testimony, I would love to encourage our church. Number one, everybody be praying for Celebrate Recovery for the next few weeks as the Lord positions that ministry to bless our community. Number two, I sure hope that he'll use our Celebrate Recovery ministry to bless our whole church. And so I'd encourage a lot of folks in our pews, listen, if you've just been battling perfectionism, workaholism, anger, if you are if you know that you've been numbing out on chocolate or video games, and you're, you're ready to take the risk to engage an honest community who will love you well no matter what, come give it a shot. Like, I would love to see uh, more and more folks in our church pews become blessed by what Celebrate Recovery has to offer. So I want to encourage you to come give it a shot at 4.30 on any Sunday afternoon. Matt, thanks, man. Thank you, Pastor.